Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, episode 331, or perhaps I should say Bienvenue dans l'épisode 330 et 1 de Gareth Jones on Speed, because this is part two of our tour of the Museum of the 24 Hours of Le Mans at the Circuit de la Sarre. This programme was recorded during the build-up to the 2017 race. This is an enhanced podcast using the M4A file format, which means it contains embedded images. So can I recommend that you play this particular episode in an application that will allow you to see the pictures of all the cars we're talking about here. We've come down into another hall now, or another level of the hall, dubbed Les Acteurs, meaning, I think, in translation, the players, you know, the cars that competed here, I think. There's a lovely Simca Gordini, tiny, tiny that car. Really is tiny, yeah. And that one, didn't it, I think? I think, uh, I think it did. I think I recognise that car. Possibly the tiniest car ever to win here at Le Mans, if I'm right. I don't, I don't much sure it won. No? Oh, achieved good uh, results during his three years. Okay, I've seen pictures of that car competing. I haven't got a model of it, so it wouldn't be a winner. It's a tiny little car, little race car. Dinky. Parked next to a Topolino. Oh, that's a Simca. That's a, yeah. Looking like a Topolino, isn't it? Yeah. That'd be the road car using similar technology to the race car. It almost looks like a child's car. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, you could put a toddler in that. They wouldn't look out of scale. That's yeah, how tiny yeah. it is. Add lightness, make it smaller. Lagonda. <gasps> M45R repeat from 1935. That's a lot of car. You can tell it's mostly engine. What a huge bonnet. So it's got a V12 in it. I don't know. Forgive me for not knowing. A huge exhaust running down the side. <laughs> I really am perving now, but come on. I'm in my element. Zog and Stevie have found a monitor displaying one of the very early... I think that's a Mars corner. Well, that's a guess. It's all going to change so much. How possibly tell? This is the dawn in the 1920s of Le Mans in black and white of cars on tiny narrow wheels skeetering around corners, kicking up dust. It wasn't paved at this point. It was just like running on a gravel like a surface. Dirt track and there's, you know... Yeah. Start, finish, straight. We'll be standing there. Crash barriers. There might be something in between the spectators and the track, but it's just, you know, kind of wooden, uh, wooden barriers. Yeah. The speeds that they were going. Yeah, terrifying, terrifying, dangerous, lethal, actually. Yeah. Genuinely lethal. Yeah. yeah, it's probably dangerous. For the drivers and the spectators and everyone else. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, tragically, yes. Drivers finishing in leather helmets with their faces covered in dirt and oil bar for where they were wearing goggles, if they were lucky. They've got helmets here. Are these actual leather helmets and race suits of the very early days in the 1930s, 1920s? Cool. And the posters, uh, artwork, which I'd love to have on my wall at home in French, advertising the Grand Prix Endurance de 24 heures. The coupe, the cup, the Rudge Whitworth cup, as we mentioned before. Always run, 
and the weekend closest to the longest day of the year so that you get the minimum amount of dark for the cars minimizing the danger but there's still an element of danger oh i just walked into yet another terrifyingly beautiful display of cars from the 1940s it starts with a 1949 ferrari 166 mm barquette does that mean boat barquette is that right i don't know barquette touring forgive me for not knowing glorious ferrari with that huge egg box grill marvelous in red winning car one of the first ferraris to enter this race it says it's, it's identical to the 1949 winner so when it said earlier on that was the winning car i think they actually meant it was the very car this is identical to the winning car so quite clearly specify that that's one for the collection i need to get that i don't have actually yeah this one not not this size one a smaller one but that one yes isn't that the first racing car to have a Ferrari badge on it? Or rather to be a proper Ferrari rather than an Alfa Romeo run by Ferrari? I think you could be right. There are Tifosi who will know the answer to that, but you could be right. Such a stripped-down aerodynamic, almost a prototype. Well, yeah, a prototype. Yeah, definitely. A DB Panard from 1951 look up the pictures of these cars we have taken pictures of every car and made them available on this podcast a Renault 4 CV from 1950 the famous and popular little post-war Renault took on the circuit with the 1063cc engine even managed some speed it says well some speed I suppose when you've got a straight the length of Mulsanne you can get up to speed even in a little brick like this Oh, it's really nice. This elegant French woman just bent down to take a picture of it. It's in blue, of course, because it's a French car. And she's got a blue Renault Formula One hat on. That's great. I'm not alone here. I'm clearly amongst people who feel the same way as I do. Zog's discussing aerodynamics with Stevie. Zog, say that again, what you were just saying? Uh, no, 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 because I was bullshitting aerodynamics. <laughs> and I'm concerned that if I bullshit uh, in any kind of recorded forum, someone's going to pick me up on it. We were discussing the apparently aerodynamic shape of this rather pretty number 57 DB racer. Yep. French car. Uh, which is very simple, sleek, streamlined and we were discussing how aerodynamic or not it was. The point I was making was a thing that looks aerodynamic isn't necessarily aerodynamic, Mm -hmm. or or the thing that you might think is the most aerodynamic shape isn't necessarily. You Mm -hmm. get all kinds of counterintuitive stuff, and the example that came to mind was this thing of what people often do with the front of the car and a splitter, which is extending the front of the car, Mm -hmm. the chin, the bodywork, yeah, the chin of the car, down as close to the road as you can get, which increases the area of the car at front that's trying to push its way through the air. Yep. So you would think that's going to make it slower. It's mm-hmm. going to make it less aerodynamic. If you've got greater surface area trying to shove its way through the air, that should be slower. But in fact, because of what it does to the airflow under and around the car, mm-hmm. it is more aerodynamic. It's something to do with the fact that by stopping so much air going under the car and diverting it around the car, 
you get better aerodynamic performance. It's, uh, you need to do two so things. I, so I, uh, yeah, I hope that I hope that I'm not going to. No, uh, no, no, that's many, fair. Too uh, many angry uh, no, that's uh, fair. emails from aerodynamicists who actually really know what they're talking about. You need to do two things with the flow of air over a car, as I understand it. Limit the amount of drag over it to make your car go quicker, and the air that does go over it, you have to send in certain directions to aid cooling and downforce. Now, over the top surface of the car, that's often very obvious. The underside of the car, a flat-bottomed car, will be a lot more aerodynamic than a car with lots of bits hanging off underneath, bits of things sticking out to create drag and as i understand what you want forgive me if this is wrong but i think this is right you want the exit of the air for the air that goes under the car the exit at the rear has to be one and a half or twice the area of the gap at the front of the car so that's a venturi it accelerates the air it's literally sucked out of the back because it can get out of the back faster than it can get in the front it accelerates the air under the car giving you better aerodynamic efficiency i think i well, described that quite well that sounds like a process that would give you a bit of downforce yep. from you know a ground effect you yep. it creates speed, lower pressure under the, the car uh, yeah flow of the air yeah lower pressure under the car that will tend to Suck help it the down. car yeah stick yep. to the road a bit better Yep. Okay, let's move on. Yep. And interesting note, that thing is central driving position, not mm. to one side. Proper race car. Not that any of these others aren't. I'm being unkind there. Oh, it's a Lotus Junior, is it? Is that a Lotus 15 or a Junior? What do we call that? Lotus Lotus 11. Sorry, should have known that. I think Johnny Herbert drove one of those around Silverstone in a classic race in the... Ooh, early 2000s I think nice to see that in green the first Lotus we've seen here and that's a Lotus 11 Le Mans raced here in 1956 only 410 kilograms very Colin Chapman indeed super lightweight few panards around here a Porsche which Zog has just missed, a silver Porsche 904-4 GTS from 1964. That was a Corgi model when I was a kid. And I think that's part of the appeal, isn't it, of coming to Le Mans, old cars that you recognise from a child. It's the equivalent of comfort food, isn't it? You see cars which remind you of your childhood, and if you had a happy childhood, which I hope you did, and I certainly did, then it makes you feel happy. There you go, bit of psychology. There's a René Bonnet D-Jet here as well. I've seen one of those racing in the support race here. Tiny little Gordini Renault engine, four cylinders with 90 horsepower. And I remember it dancing as it came out of the corner Indianapolis. Lovely little thing. Pretty contemporary design as well, I'd say. Oh, gosh. Every time you turn round, there's something absolutely breathtaking. Turn round, and there's a Ford GT40 in white from, what was it, 67? Yes, 1967. <laughs> you read what it says underneath it, it says, nice, comma, fuel efficient and created to beat the Ferrari. The GT40 and her sisters, so French, her sisters, won four times at Le Mans five if you count the win last year for the Ford GT and a very aerodynamic CD Peugeot here now this is worth looking up if you're listening to this now and you're able to Google Google this car a CD Peugeot SP66 from 1967 
just look at the picture two huge vertical tail fins clearly to make it go in a straight line they were concerned about that thing getting a bit sideways weren't they very aerodynamic mid-engine the engine appears to be transverse as well looking at the four ports there the four intake ports forgive me if i'm wrong what's it say about it the peugeot 204's rpm talking about the engine was too high for it to post a finish <laughs> it went yang bang the bodywork is a result of a great deal of research into ground effect what we were talking about creating an area of low pressure underneath the car that sucks the car onto the surface giving you better cornering you can yeah it's sculpted yeah it's actually like a banana an inverted banana arched between the wheels nice love a bit of aerodynamics oh there's a matra simca here I have a soft spot for Simca. We used to have a Simca 1301 station wagon in the 1970s. It wasn't quite like that one, no. No. But uh, ever since then, I've always been very fond of Simca. One of the reasons I like the Talbot Matra Simca Rancho as well. It's a Simca. Simca, another name lost to the annals of history. This is a car I've got a model of. A winner from 69, 68, let me see. 74, oops, 74. Yeah. Bigger. A lot of the, the early Simcas were very Tiny wee, cars, little yeah. Little wee things. Yeah. This is a proper one. Look yeah. The size of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a proper sports prototype, yeah. isn't it? It looks no different to the LMP cars of today in many ways. By 1974, tiny front wheels. What's that, 12 inch? Minuscule. 13, I'd say. Yeah. Absolutely minuscule. In height, yeah. very, very low. And of course, the lower your car, the higher your cornering speed, less roll. Well, more likely to spin off rather than roll off. <laughs> nice. Matra. Yeah. Matra, the people who gave us the Espace. You know, the Renault Espace was designed and developed by Matra for Renault. Corvette, what's this? Is this a Stingray? 1974, perhaps? What year? 74, 75. First National City Bank sponsorship. Yes, that's a brutal GT car, isn't it? Different approach to Le Mans. Oh, I've seen another great one. Was this Pescarello's Renault, the one he won in? Oh no, Franklin and Ragnotti. Did they win? But this is the Renault Alpine. And this was a car raced by Leila Lombardi. Leila, you love Leila Lombardi, don't you? Oh, she's a lady racer. Lovely lady racer. Yeah. Very, very good lady racer. Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, the Renault Alpines. It's great to see the French represented so heavily. Of course, it's a French race. It's a French museum. But, you know, and French manufacturers are going to compete in it, aren't they? But more respect to them for doing so well and getting represented here. Represent! Garrett Jones on speed! Just spotted one of my favourite ever Le Mans cars. Not because it was particularly beautiful, just because of what it achieved. It's the Rondo from, what year did I say? I've forgotten, 1980. That one with Jean Rondeau, yeah, with Jean Rondeau driving. A black closed cockpit sports prototype, classic endurance racer. Looks a bit bulbous. Actually, it looks less bulbous in reality than the models do. The models always look like slightly cartoon-esque, bubbly sort of thing. It works well. Really quite small front wheels. 
we just said the same thing. A number of the cars here, I don't know if it was governed by the regulations, but I reckon the reasoning was the smaller your front wheel, the lower the height of the car, reducing the amount of roll because you've okay, got your weight yeah, down with the chassis and reducing the frontal area yeah. but at what cost tiny tires have to rotate a lot more quickly yeah, than a larger right. tire and a larger wheel yeah. putting far more heat into the tire causing them to delaminate and operate outside their perfect temperature that was one of the reasons that they couldn't make the Tyrrell P34 as successful mm. as it was they had tiny tiny wheels and they struggled to make tires that would work yeah there's a car in Momo colours here a Porsche beautiful a combination of yellow and red talks to me Sorry, we're just talking. I wish I could paint the image of the car here, but you know, you might want to search these cars. It's a Porsche 962C from 1990, so you know, a contemporary car in the grand scheme of things. In those Momo colours, yellow and black on red, simple, iconic, heroic on a Porsche 962. This car makes both me happy and Zog happy because he likes a Porsche and I like. A red and yellow Momo coloured car. Stevie, Stevie's trying not to look, are you? I, I look at what? At this look car at behind me, Stevie. Have you seen it? What, you mean the silk-cut Jaguar? Not that one. The one next no, to it. It's Stevie's car. It is. It's beautiful and it's so modern. Well, yeah, in every way. We should let you know this is the Mazda 787 that won in 91 in that famous colour scheme of... Actually, whose was that? It's Renown. Renown. Is that their colours yeah. or was it Charge? Yeah, it was there. Renown is the uh, yeah, Japanese clothing manufacturer. Oh, you see? Good lad. Good lad. Yeah. Johnny Herbert, Wiedler, Victor Wiedler was it? And Bertrand Gachot. Yeah. Gachot, he got into trouble, didn't he, Gachot? I think he thumped a London taxi driver, yeah. that's right, and was dropped from the Jordan team for we doing might that. Also, used some pepper spray or mace on them. I'm not sure about that. I thing. think you're right, yeah. I think it was pepper spray. Was, yeah, he was yeah. down for assault. A very modern car. Is this the actual winning car? It is, isn't it? Not on display in Hiroshima, where Mazda are based in Japan, but on display a couple hundred yards from the finishing line where it won this epic race. The only car ever to win with an engine which didn't go suck, squeeze, bang, blow. An engine that went suck, rotate, exhaust. Is that what it is? I don't know how you describe it. It's still squeeze, isn't it? Still, yeah. yeah. There is, there's an amazing model that I once saw of, of a rotary engine, a, a Perspex working model of, of a rotary engine in the science museum in yeah. london yeah and it shows you how it doesn't rotate like a record exactly. it's it's an elliptical rotation exactly. isn't it yeah it's, it's beautiful and it totally explains how, the, how they the achieve that compression exactly. yeah exactly. beautiful yeah. so it did suck squeeze bang blow but it wasn't a reciprocating engine it was a rotary a vankel engine i'm gonna say wankel it's a vankel engine because i'm a groaner great car great color great engine great win slightly assisted by fuel regulations i think but it yes, won yes no the regulations allowed it to win helped it to win but Ooh. that's what this race again is about it's about working within the regulations to maximize your chances and they did this you know? yeah yeah with a rotary engine with a rotary that's engine. good marketing isn't it and next year i think this is probably richard porter's favourite ever Le Mans car this is the Silk Cut Jag let me get the correct title right hold on it's over here let me read it 
This is the Silkut Jag XJR9 1988. Big Jag, 12-cylinder engine. Tom Walkinshaw behind this. Took the chequered flag for the first time in 31 years. Well done, Jaguar. They had a tremendous record in the 50s and came back in the 80s to do it again. How long before Jaguar returned to Le Mans? Well, we brought one here. Not to race, but we brought one here. The last time Jag raced at Le Mans, it was a bit of a disaster, I think. Was it an American team? Possibly one car. Do I remember that correctly? But it was an epic disaster. They raced the Jag XK8, I think, if I remember. A, a version of that in the GT class. And it was a disaster. Now, I know you like a Porsche. But, you know, of all the Porsches, this is my favourite racing Porsche, the GT1 from 1999, as I've said before. Because Alan McNish won Le Mans it? Not just because Alan won in it. Big fan of Alan McNish. He's a nice guy. But the look of this car. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, it, it's an absolute knockout. It just looks wickedly fast. Yeah. You know? A huge uh, top flat surface area to the back of the car as well. And then interesting little sort of almost sculpting details on the way that the top of the wheel arch sort of blends into the sort of scooped out lower part of the wheel arch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah. at the back there. Yeah, they're venting um, the heat from the rear brakes there, aren't they, I think. And again, over the front wheels, over the wheel arches, vents, slots cut in to yeah. allow the braking. Are these carbon brakes or steel brakes? Steel brakes, I think. I wouldn't have thought that was a braking cooling no. thing. Well, just because the brake heat's all going to be sort of happening there. Mm whatever air is going to be flowing out there I don't know it might be doing something like you know stopping air pressure building up in the wheel yep. arch yep. or helping air flow through the very front of the car I'm just trying to see how you get heat from the discs there up there when you're going that way yeah I'll take yeah. your point yeah um, maybe it's just tyre the surface of the tyres to allow them to ventilate a little better the top surface of the tyre as it rotates I could be wrong yeah Alan Nish and Stefan Ortelli and Lons Aiello how do I say his name Aiello drove this car great livery beautiful compound curves in that very Germanic way that even the Beetle had a series of uninterrupted compound curves very elegant love that car the 911 GT1 from 1998 I think I said 199 before but it is 1998 now here's a car which was racing at Le Mans if I remember in the first year we came Zog was it 2004, it our was. first year? Um, and this is a Cadillac. Didn't run terribly successfully, but I'm sure you remember, Zog. I remember describing this car many, many years ago as if someone had taken a chassis, a bare chassis. And just a, draped a cloth over it. A silk yeah, cloth. Yeah. And it just follows the shape of what's underneath and no more. Very elegant car. Good old Cadillac, nice to the Americans racing here. You know, we've had Corvette here, we've had Paynos here, a great tradition of American racers. But Cadillac, who made a bold attempt to do well in the early 2000s, but struggled, actually. This car struggled. But it looks the part. Yeah, it does look oh, yeah. the part, yeah. I particularly like the painted grille. 
Yeah, on yeah. the front. A sticker. It's a sticker <laughs> to make it look like a Cadillac. Like a Cadillac. Yeah. It's got the Cadillac face on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that persists in American motorsport to this day. Many of the NASCARs running have grills stickered on and parts stickered on to make them look like the road cars that they are not. You well, know. No, but why not? Again, it, you associate it with the brand. Yeah, yeah, and otherwise... Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's paid for by the advertising budget. Here's an important car we've missed behind us. Yeah, the Audi R8, Audi's first winner here. Was it 2000? Is that their first win? Yes, I think it was. Forgive me if I'm wrong. When Audi used to run petrol engines, eight cylinders from 2002, the R8 FSI, which was a clever way of injecting fuel into the engine. Their second or third Audi sports prototype, the first one that they developed was a closed cockpit car and they developed that in concert with an open top prototype and they ditched the closed cockpit car and went with an open car and in was, the early years and it was that i think it was that early closed cockpit design that they had abandoned that was later developed into the bentley okay i think and that i think is how the bentley audi relationship there works that's my understanding okay there's a car behind a peugeot 905 which won here in the 90s. What's the first thing you think of or want to say when you see that car? Go with the instinct. I'll tell you what mine is. Uh, it's kind of Blake 7. Good, yeah. No, it's, no so, I mean, it's a bit more Logan's run. I think the, yeah. the enclosed wheel at the back is slightly Lady Penelope. Yeah, enclosed wheels. Not many cars can pull off enclosed wheels. The Silcut Jag does, the SM does, and the Peugeot 905 does. First thing I say in my head when I see that car... Oh, Jean Tot. Because Jean Tot run the Peugeot teams that won at Le Mans, and on the back of that, went to Ferrari, and on the back of his success with Ferrari, became the leader of the FIA. I think the enclosed wheel is more attractive on this than on the Jaguar. I yeah. Think the Jaguar somehow it doesn't look quite as. It's like a hovercraft at yeah, the back. Yeah, it does. Whereas yeah. this is more streamlined. You've got enough actual wheel poking out there that you know there's a wheel there, basically. Do you know what it's like? It's like a Victorian lady lifting up the hem of her petticoat address to show you a bit of cheeky ankle you know it's just it's tempting isn't it just a little bit lady penelope yeah very feminine isn't it we might have a feminine reaction logan's run yeah oh jenny agatha there's something something saucy about that card yeah we all have a soft spot for jenny agatha perhaps not a soft spot no stop it and now i remember this car running here at le mans driven by Colin McRae. Really? Uh, yeah. ProDrive ran these cars. This is Oh, Thomas Enger drove this car with Knox and uh, is it Jonathan Davis. I can't remember. It's a Ferrari 550 Maranello. And again, here's another car which I referenced in one of my songs in Gareth Jones on Speed. The song I wrote about Colin McRae saying that he would drive a car even with its wheels on fire. Because I remember seeing him doing half a lap with the brakes on fire flames pouring out of the wheel coming into the garage and i was in the pit above the garage and watched it arrive in the garage and they put the flames out they put a new wheel on he went straight out yeah incredible heroism oh the 
forest stage It's quiet today, a legend has retired His chiselled face and wicked pace were both to be admired McRae would drive his car like hell, even if he lost a tyre Heck, he would drive 500 miles with all his wheels on fire What a man, you know McRae, we don't often mention the fact that he was a Le Mans racer too Not just a rally driver Amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, amazing. And again, I love the idea of the drivers crossing over yeah. between different types of formula. I mean, this is what I've liked this year with Alonso going to the Indy. It's been a, a wonderful, wonderful thing to see the racers trying different formulas. If you're a proper racer, you don't just study your one race series. You want to take on all the series and beat the best and mm. beat the most difficult races that's very true McRae yeah, was but, one but Formula One I, I think you know, historically has, has become so exclusive yeah. and set itself apart from the other formulas and that's a sad thing very it? often driver contracts because there was so much money involved forbade drivers from competing in any other series you know you couldn't risk losing them mm. you have to keep the best don't you yes. there's money in it to be able to afford to do that Pescarolo here Oh, we miss Pescarolo, don't we? Yeah, no, they're a, they're a great part of the Le Mans tradition. It's a shame to have a race without them. This is the C60 from 2003. There's a slight sadness about Pescarolo at the moment. The Pescarolo brand is now owned by another concern who still build cars here at Le Mans, and they've just released, I think, an LMP3 car called the Pescarolo. And Henri Pescarolo says, I cannot support this car. So, if Henri says he cannot support it, I don't support it. But I do support this Bentley. I wasn't here for the year that Bentley won, but I was here for the year previous, the first time they ran this car, and this was the first car I ever saw racing at Le Mans with illuminated numbers on the side. They introduced it in the year that this car ran. This is Capello, Christensen and Smith, who won in uh, 2003 based on the success of Audi it says here at least they're admitting it Bedley Racing Green was back after 71 years what a mean looking car what a spacecraft this thing is it looks more like something that would race on the moon than something that would race on earth I've always thought it's got that sort of OG Cylon look yeah science fiction I'm thinking of the cockpit the windshield and the way that part of the car and the nose present it just looks like a mark one cylons you know mean sci-fi badass baddie so i've just worked something out if this car won in 2003 and i didn't come this year because i don't remember bentley winning yeah it ran the year before in 2002 and didn't win we were here so our first race was not 2004 2001 yeah you may have been may have been I'll have to look that up forgive me if I've said 2004 any point over this weekend that wasn't our first Le Mans we know that but hey it all blurs after five years believe me it blurs after a year only one two three four five six seven eight nine ten cars to go in the final straight of the museum of the 24 hours another winning audi the r10 from 2008 again an innovation at le mans this was the first diesel to win at le mans not the first diesel to compete at le mans 
there was a diesel i think it was called something like the ecomax car that ran uh, one year i remember seeing here and then audi adopted diesel and made it work made it efficient all that talk capello christensen mcnish legends actually not legends because they actually exist a legend is something i think which is unverifiable these guys actually exist oh i was here again the year peugeot won here's the peugeot 908 hdi fap i say it with a pop because you have to fap fap stands for diesel particulates thing the way that they cook the diesel particulates to remove them and it's great you can get close to the car and you can see the led lights on the side of the car a combination of i don't know what looks like a group of about a dozen so you've got redundancy there if one fails you've got another bunch that works in the case of an impact david brabham mark genet and alexander wurtz drove this car i remember when peugeot won that was one of the best Le Mans moments ever singing La Marseille in the stand even I was proud to be French it was quite a wet year wasn't it there was a lot of uh, no that was the year previous where they didn't win that was when um, ah, yeah, okay, yes. that was when Villeneuve raced disappointingly they won without Villeneuve I yeah, remember yeah. seeing Peugeot's in pouring rain yeah I remember that vividly but they won it they beat Audi they took back the race that he used to own by competing on even terms with a diesel because Peugeot remember Peugeot road cars were the best diesel engine cars on the road when we went to diesel engine cars for road cars and they took that to the race and made it work and there's the mylar the cockpit is covered with a reflective mylar to reduce the temperature they'd introduced limits on the upper temperature that you could operate the car at and if it went over a certain temperature you had to pull in and the only way that they could reduce that was put a reflective surface on to bounce the heat off the car from the sun see you learn something new every day a lot of carbon fiber visible carbon yeah. fiber yeah unpainted carbon yeah. fiber great car got a model of this as well lovely oh and here we are the hybrid era which is pretty much where we are now i think we're approaching the end of the hybrid era this is a diesel hybrid i mean Who'd have thought, looking at that Chenard Walker at the very beginning of this, that we'd come all the way from something that was primitive or appeared primitive to something which is, again, a spacecraft. Yes. And some interesting design changes. Look at the fact that the wheels are here open again on the top. I think it's a regulation to stop them from flipping for some reason. If Ooh. you've got a vent over the front wheel, a completely open front wheel, it prevents air from getting trapped underneath and the cars flip. I believe it's part of the regulation rather than cooling now. Yeah. Never used to be that. And then the central, the shark's fin. Yeah. You know, yeah. The That's again to stop them from getting a bit sideways. Yeah. If you get sideways, you get air under the car and they were flipping. That was a problem of yeah. cars at the huge speeds that these things were doing. And that fin prevents that. And also, I think they were collecting air at the front of the car and sending it down the shark's fin into the rear wing as well for a bit of airflow management i believe brilliant yeah what a car i mean what a complex piece of engineering to run this is God. which year is this one actually oh if it's duval christensen and Manish, it's a few years ago 2013 so this isn't the last audi to win le mans 
The last time they won, they didn't win last year, yeah. which was 2016. They didn't win 2015, the year before that. They did They'd win, win in 2014. 2014. That was, that this was is the penultimate Audi winner. Yeah. And a car which will always remind me to finish off this museum. A car which always makes me think of you, Stevie, because this car ran in your first year at Le Mans. We're talking about the uh, Nissan Nismo GTR, a failed experiment, if I'm honest. Reasonably successful in that it ran and it finished of the three cars. I think two of them finished, but it never really ran in the way that they intended. It's a front engine hybrid, but during the race, they never managed to get the hybrid system working. And I believe that the cars actually ran on pure internal combustion engines. They couldn't make it work. And Ben Bowlby, who designed this car, who also designed the Delta Wing and the Nissan EV, whatever that was called. A great innovative designer, tried out new stuff. Some of it worked, not all of it did. But again, but it's the innovation which is so wonderful about it. It's so different from the things that are around it. It was trying something new. It didn't come off, but for whatever reason, this is what this series promotes. Exactly, and that's why of all the races, all the race series in the world, it's the Le Mans 24 Hours that appeals most to me. The diversity of the field, the range of applied technologies, the new innovative ideas. There's more new stuff every year at Le Mans than in seasons of Formula One, in my opinion. And that concludes our visit to the Museum of the 24 Hours here at Le Mans from Zog. Goodbye. From Stevie. Bye-bye. And from me, Avianto. And if you're ever coming to the Le Mans 24-hour race, do come and look at the museum, study the cars, and tell them Gareth sent you. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed! Woo! <laughs>